Welcome to the Cary Church Podcast. For more information regarding Cary Church, visit www.cary.asn.au. Psalm chapter 90. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, Return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow. For they quickly pass, and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger. Your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, Lord. How long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. And I'm just going to read on another section from Colossians, chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. The sun is the invisible, sorry, the sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, 
and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. All of you for that reading this morning. A happy new year to you. And it's good to add my welcome, particularly to any who are visiting us this morning. And there is one visitor this morning, and I think this is a first ever for Carey. Has anyone who's been here longer than I have ever known a guide dog to be at Carey? Well, this morning we welcome Harper. Harper has come with my granddaughter and with her brother and her parents from Tasmania to visit us. Now, Harper is a guide dog. She has a harness on. And sad to say, that means you can't pat her. So particularly children, and this is just general information, when you see that guide dog with a harness, as much as you like to, they're at work. So ignore her. But still welcome. Yes, it is good to be here this January. We owe the name to the Roman god Janus, who was like some people think mothers are. Do you know how many people think mothers have got eyes in the back of their head? Well, Janus has got two faces. One looking back, one looking front or left and right, whichever you, you care. And appropriate for the first month of the year. And so this morning is good for us to look forwards and look back, not with the help of a Roman god, but as the psalmist said, as we read, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Or as the newer contemporary English Bible has it, you have been our help generation after generation, from forever in the past to forever in the future, you are God. I wonder what 2018 has meant for you, for you as a, as a person, perhaps in your family. Are there ways in which you have been particularly conscious of the presence and the activities of God? Or has he seemed distant or even absent? And I wonder what 2019 has for you. I know that it has for the Scaife family. Looking forward now to getting used to a third member of the family. And one of our musos this morning, Aaron, I know has got a new job. And I know there are some others here who are saying, I have now finished school. And starting off on something new this year. Perhaps some of you as parents are saying, yes, and we no longer have anyone at school. What a change. I also know that next month, my youngest grandchild is looking forward to being a teenager. <laughs> These are all times of transition. And, and times of change like that, we can often become more aware of the presence of God. They become times of reflecting on where we've been and where we're going. Looking back, hopefully, as, as Peter was saying us earlier, with thanksgiving to God. Looking forward with hope 
Like the psalmist has said, you have been, and we look forward, and you will be our dwelling place. But sometimes we look further than one year. A few months ago, I turned 80. Did you notice the reference to 80 in that psalm? <laughs> yeah, Lynn's not even smiling. And this week, Elaine, my wife, turns 80. Now, these are obviously times when you reflect over a much longer time span. And perhaps you've had, or are soon to have, a significant birthday or anniversary. I could say some other anniversaries too. Yes, I will. Catherine and Nigel, I know. <laughs> Catherine's embarrassed now. I've got their 25th wedding anniversary. Well, there are these times when we reflect on a larger time span than one year. Again, remembering the ways God has provided and led forward. The events that have shaped who we are and what we believe. But the psalmist is more than individual. And Lynn alluded to that as we introduced the reading. The psalmist says, you have been our dwelling place. And it's good, therefore, to reflect not just individually or in a family, but to remember we're part of the family of God. And for those of us here at Cary, this year has something particular because 2019 will be the 21st year of the ministry of Cary Baptist College. In a letter to all college staff, Dave Kilpatrick wrote just at the end of the year, <coughs> Eugene Peterson, who incidentally died last year, helpfully frames this awareness of God's activity in all of life in his book, Christ Plays in 10,000 Places, when he says, God's great love and purposes for us are all worked out in messes, in our kitchens and backyards, in storms and sins, blue skies, the daily work and the dreams of our common lives. God works with us as we are and not as we should be or think we should be. And then Dave continued, God is at work and his work is always loving and redemptive. So, I have to change it. So this year, we will focus on gratitude. May remember last year we focused on kindness as a theme. This year, gratitude. Gratitude for who God is. Gratitude for what we might see as the struggles and failures, as well as for the successes and the triumphs. Gratitude for the place we get to serve, for the people we get to serve with, for the world we get to love. Looking back, looking forward, together. But look again at the Psalms opening. He doesn't just say, Lord, you have been our dwelling place. And then continues, throughout all generations. To speak of 2019 is a reminder that for 2,000 years, people have given praise to Jesus Christ. We look back on those years when the Holy Spirit has been at work, not only in my life, not only in 20, 21 years of Cary College and longer for the church, 
But God has been at work around the globe in billions of lives. We are part of God's global movement. But then I can add a bit more because today we meet on January the 6th, the 12th day of Christmas of the song. The official end of the Christmas season. And the 12th day of Christmas, also known as Epiphany, which is from a Greek word meaning appearance, manifestation, celebrates both the coming of the wise men to see the child Jesus and also the Jesus' baptism by John. It's a time when, as it were, Jesus Christ is made manifest not just to the Jewish people but to the world. And with the baptism, it's the time when he begins his public ministry, no longer just sort of growing up and working in the family in Nazareth. But then, the appearance to all nations has happened with the coming of the wise men, those who weren't Jews. That appearance also looks back to God's promise 2,000 years earlier almost to Abraham that God would bring blessing to all peoples on earth. But we can go back even further because even that promise to Abraham was the carrying out of God's purposes for all of his creation. It's the fulfilment of his creation blessing to all humanity. It's a reminder to us that God's desire is to bless and he still has that desire to bless and to fulfill his purposes for his creation despite humans acting as if God was irrelevant. He continues to do his work of blessing and putting everything right. And so today, Epiphany 2019, we can see ourselves caught up in God's purposes that began with creation, moved through Abraham, begins to see its fulfillment as Christ is made evident to the wise men, and then beyond that, as the gospel is preached to all nations on earth. But then it goes on because it looks forward to the new creation. As we read in Colossians, where Paul speaks effusively of Christ. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. God was pleased through him to reconcile to himself all things by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. You know, if there's one feature about a new year, it's all the predictions that people make. You know, there's all those reports of business confidence. What's going to happen to house prices? What's going to happen to the, the business in general? What about political polls? What are likely to be the results of elections this year? There are global analysis of global trends, the relationships between the nations. What's going to happen between the US and China? What's going to happen about Brexit? There's all these kinds of looking forwards of predictions. 
there's often optimism. And you know the most optimistic statement of all? I'm going to keep my New Year's resolutions. <laughs> but optimism is simply based upon how we see the present and what we would like to happen. Hope is quite different. Hope, Christian hope, is based on the promise of God. A recent article in Christianity Today highlighted that contrast between optimism and hope. Optimism fails when it's swallowed up by darkness. By contrast, hope is found in something beyond history, beyond history with its cycles of optimism and despair. Hope is found in incarnate God. Hope comes not through any human development, but through Christ. God in Christ is shaping our history in accordance with his divine purposes. And so, at the start of the new year, what happens when I start, yes, naturally we start with my circumstances, my wishes, my reflections. But what happens when I then say, but just a moment, God is present. What happens then when I expand my vision to the church? Not just the church of Kerry, but the global church of which I'm a part. What happens when I see today, January the 6th, 2019, in the context of God's purposes focused in the coming of Christ? What happens when I see all of that in the context of God's purposes from creation to new creation? And when I say, and that involves me. Instead of optimism, there can be hope. But there's something about Christian hope, and that is that it faces the reality of human sin and failure, of pain and chaos. You may have wondered as you went through that psalm, what about all these references to sin, to judgment, to pain? Psalm 90, simple mathematics, comes after Psalm 89. And Psalm 89 began with exuberant praise of God. Praise of God for the way he had chosen David to be a king, <clears throat> the way he had enabled the growth of the kingdom, the way he had given David victory in battles. And then it says, but that's not what we see now. But because Psalm 89 faces the reality that Jerusalem has been completely destroyed by the Babylonians, the temple has been destroyed and the Davidic king is no more reigning. What has happened 
to all these glorious promises of God when they don't work out. You see, Psalms face reality and they ask these hard questions. And Psalm 90 is a response. And it's interesting, the bit we don't read is the title. And the title of the psalm is, interestingly, A Prayer of Moses, the Servant of God. Now to get to Moses, you go back a couple, few hundred years before David. Moses takes us back to Sinai. Takes us back to the time when, after God had brought the people out of Israel, out of Egypt, he entered into a covenant of his steadfast love, of his mercy and compassion with the people. It's as if the psalmist is saying, I can't make sense of what's happened to David. But somehow or other, all of that is within this bigger relationship of God with us. Somehow or other, God is still a God of mercy and compassion. Yes, in 89, the psalmist had cried, Where is your former love, which in your faithfulness you swore to David? And I think Psalm 90 is saying, Yes, we look back to Moses, and we do see God's promise of love. We don't know how it's going to work out, but that is the covenant relationship that God has given to us. There are those events in life that are most disruptive and unwelcome. And perhaps looking back to 2018 brings to you a sense of pain and of loss. Just this last week, Elaine and I attended on the one day two funerals. And interestingly, at both funerals, it was a case of the parents had suffered the sudden loss of a child many years previously. There are those things that just don't make sense. For some, looking ahead is with trepidation and concern. Just a few weeks ago, I met after you know, some years break a friend of mine from University Day, Stuart Donnan. We were together on the committee of the Christian group at Sydney University. He had gone on to become a foundation professor of medicine at the Chinese University of Hong Kong and then went as professor of medicine at Manchester University in the UK. Devout, he and Beryl, his Beryl went on and did a master's, his wife, in theology. And she had a stroke and affected her voice, amongst other things, and then dementia. And Stuart said, people would say, oh, the sovereignty of God. He said, that seemed to be an irrelevant question. And he was telling Elaine and I, over coffee here at Timber, he said, there was one occasion, he said, I'd been up for the third time that night to care for Beryl, because he was caring for her at home. And he said, there's this sense of, what's going on? And he said, I had an overwhelming sense that even though I couldn't make sense of anything, God was with me. That was what made the difference. 
You say, I had my questions, but they were irrelevant. All I needed to know was God is with me. And at this Christmas time, I wonder, I think back and I wonder, what were Mary and Joseph thinking when they had to suddenly, with the young child Jesus, suddenly had to leave Bethlehem and flee to Egypt? What were they thinking when they thought after Herod's death that everything would be okay now and they're going back and they say, whoops, no it's not. And they sort of take a long way around and go back to Nazareth. I don't know what they were thinking. But the one thing I do know is that God was there. It wasn't just Mary and Joseph. The child Jesus was there. In that child, God was there. And I think that's what make the, somehow the, the psalmist is saying here, I can't make sense of this, but I do know God is here. And that's why he can start off, Lord, you have been our dwelling place, our place of refuge, our help throughout all generations. Of course, he also knows that when you speak of generations, I only live one generation. And so he begins, goes on to say, a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet they quickly pass by and we fly away. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. You know, how do we hold together our own lifespan, even of decades, and God's activity from forever in the past to forever in the present? I find help in thinking about this way back from the realisation I had in my university days because I was doing nuclear physics. And that's what I went on to do research in. And the amazing thing about nuclear physics is that you're dealing with distances and time intervals that are almost unimaginably small. You couldn't get much tinier. You know, and I, my mind boggles at the thought of developing now of, of quantum computers. And yet, at the same time in that school of physics, and part of my research was dealing with the whole of the cosmos and cosmology and the realisation that somehow or other the very physics, the, the processes, the mathematics and everything that I was using at this infinitesimally small was also what made sense and gave explanation for the big, the vastness that also is almost unimaginable. Somehow or other in the, the world that God has created, there is this vastness and the smallest, they all fit together. I, I think of that when I think of us as human beings. You know, I, I can get lost in thinking of myself as one of so many billion in this world. And that's only of those who are alive now. And yet then I look at 
the wonders of modern science relating to the body and the brain and the cells and the bacteria and the microbes. Again, the infinitesimally small and all the detail on how these little intricate things somehow or other are all needed to make me who I am. Yeah, as people, we sometimes talk about some people being the big picture people and other people being the details people. As I reflect, if you like, on the cosmos and the nucleus, on the human body, and the vastness of human population, I see a God who is both the big picture and the detail person. It's not as if God has to suddenly do a switch or has trouble holding the two together. God is there. God weaves the details of every minute of our lives into his eternal tapestry. It all counts. And you see, by the grace of God, we can see further than the psalmist because through the resurrection of Christ, the first fruits, we look beyond returning to dust to that certain hope of life with Christ. And I can live now in the light of eternity. One of the things I enjoy doing is family history. And, and it's fun. I, I guess I like solving puzzles. You know, you, you go back and you suddenly find a newspaper article, thanks to Trove, uh, and you find, whoops, there's one of my ancestors up before the court. I know there's another one who did something good. And then, oh, look, I've now at last found his mother's name. <laughs> and, and I look back at some, and if lucky, I might have a Christian name of that person. I might have their surname. I might even know when and where they were born, when and where they were married, and when and where they died. But so much is forgotten. And uh, yes, in years to come, there'll be a lot to be forgotten about me, I know. It happens to all of us. But the beauty is, in the purposes of God, they're not forgotten. Because Paul talks about the way in which everything that is good and loving is somehow or other taken up and becomes part of the future that God is building. Nothing is lost in the mind of God. Of course, there are some things that I wish weren't there and some things I'd like to have forgotten. But that's what this psalm also deals with. Because the psalmist is aware that that, that destruction of Jerusalem, the exile, the end of the Davidic kingship, was a result of the people's persistent rebellion against God. And so the psalmist didn't talk about the exile as God's judgment, about how God knows our iniquities, our secret sins. And yes, God does know, and there is judgment. But... The psalmist can still pray, have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. He may say, look, so far all I'm experiencing is pain and sorrow, but 
I can appeal to God's unfailing love. That is the sheer wonder as we look ahead. There may be things we wish were different in the past, but thanks to God's unfailing love, they are different as we move ahead. Because as we move into 2019, we do so with the wonder of God's forgiveness of his new life that takes up all that is good and loving into his eternal future. As we read earlier from Colossians, through Christ's death, God has taken the initiative to reconcile, to restore the relationship between God and ourselves. God's acted to bring harmony to his creation, to put everything right. In Christ, there is a new beginning. This morning, we're going to meet around the Lord's table. This table is on either side. Before us is God's answer to that praise and prayer of Psalm 90. Because Christ, in that upper room, shared in a meal that reminded the Jews of the events of the Exodus more than a thousand years previously. It was a meal which celebrated God's covenant love for his people. They've been doing that for more than a thousand years because God's love persisted throughout all the generations. But Christ looked at the bread and the wine and spoke of my body, my blood. Because now he is giving to that traditional feast a richer, fuller meaning of God's covenant relationship of love now through the death of Christ on the cross. But he not only took up what was past, he also looked ahead to the future because he spoke of eating and drinking that day new with you, with you in my Father's kingdom. As Paul says, we eat and drink until he comes, until Christ comes. And so in our eating and drinking, we remember the past, but we look forward to the promised feast when God's kingdom comes in the future. And in the meantime, Christ continues with us by his spirit. He invites us to eat and drink. But there is one important aspect of the Lord's Supper that still remains. Because we don't just look and think. He says to us, take, eat, take, drink. What I have done for you, you are to receive. And in receiving, you become involved in the work of bringing about that new creation. To take and eat is to receive. It is to be reminded and to live out, yes, God, you are with us. And you might say, in one sense, that you know, just as when I eat and drink, those particles of the food and the drink go with us as we go out from this building. The presence of Christ is not just here, it's with us wherever we go. 
Yes, it is just eating and drinking. We take forgiveness, but we do it to, and we do it together as God's people. Where in this there is one body. And so together we can go into 2019 knowing that God, you have been and you will continue to be our dwelling place throughout all generations. Go into 2019 with hope because God is at work in and through us. Let us pray. Oh God, our Father, we live in the present. We live most conscious of our own physical being, the here and the now. And yet in some way, you have made us part of your, your purposes from eternity in the past to eternity in the future. You have caught us up in your purposes. Thank you that by your grace we have come to know your work in, your saving work in Christ, that you have brought about peace through his blood, that you give to us new life through the resurrection of the dead, that you are with us. And so this morning, as again we take and eat, increase our faith and our hope in you through Christ our Lord. Amen.